with another episode. We're back for another time, another again. And I'm here with, you know, I the word friend doesn't quite capture it. I'm here with family today. We have family in the building. Um, and we're going to talk about something that affects these are I wanted to bring her on the podcast because um, she's so knowledgeable and so relatable. And we, we've had just great conversations about these topics. And I wanted to kind of, you know, let you guys in on this insight that I was getting um, from one of the best insiders in the country right now, you know, so and without further ado, we have Kylie. Hi, uh, thank you for that nice intro. Uh, I'm Kyla Couture. I very much feel like Pete and I have become family over the years. So uh, I am an educator. So I'm in my eighth year of teaching. And that is where a good experience of my life has been. But I have done other roles of within the retail world. And so I have a little bit of business behind it and done some manager positions as well. So but I'm excited to be here and discuss all the things with you. And so for those of you that don't know, which is all of you, right? Kylie actually was thinking about going into marketing before she went into education. Can you can we start there, Kylie? Is that yeah. Cool? Yeah, no. Um, definitely had was very much wanting to go into the business field, I think it's more because my stepdad and his background with it of working for Stryker Medical. And so his marketing and just manager positions that he's had over the years. But of course, when I was going to college, the recession hit. And so that very much deterred me from going into it because I was like, I need job security and I want to make sure I love what I'm doing. And so in high school, I did two programs. I did the marketing program where I ran the school store and then I did the future educators program and I did both my senior year. So I had experience of like, okay, I like both of these and the marketing one doesn't look like it's a good idea. So, but I really enjoy the future educators. So on this one, I know we'll always need educators. So I feel more confident in pursuing a career in that for right now. Do you feel like that's kind of flipped now? Uh, I feel like at times, yeah, I could definitely feel that way, especially when you're at least like thinking about pay. Um, I am the oldest out of all my siblings. My, I have four brothers and a little sister, little sister still in high school. So she definitely still keeps me young. But uh, when I see what some of my siblings are going to be making just coming out of college uh, versus my eight years of already teaching, I was like, you are going to be making a significant amount of money more than I am and I have all this experience and you will come out with obviously just an internship from your college career and be making easily 20 grand more than what I make so that that part's a little discouraging um and I think that's what a lot of us teachers are kind of in that rut now of like we do all this we do all this hard work that tends to go unnoticed is there other careers out there for us that is not as time consuming that can give us that little peace of mind with just the cost of living? I mean, look at what 
everything's going on with inflation right now. Everything is through the roof. And just the daily cost of living, what it was even three years ago, it's triple. My grocery bill, what once was 50 bucks, is now 150 And it doesn't even get me through the week. And I'm just buying for me. Yeah. It, it, it's everything is so expensive. Just the cost of living is, and this is, you know, kind of my gripe. You, you cannot compare what's going on currently to what your parents experienced and um, pretend that they're the same things complete, especially not your grandparents. Forget about it. You know, but <laughs> yeah, no, not even the same ball field here with that. But I, I think your experience um, is with marketing and actually your skill set. Um, I majored in marketing in college. Um, and, you know, we've had conversations where I'm like, no, yeah, you definitely would have been a ways at marketing as well. <laughs> but I think that has helped you as a teacher in terms of how you relate and you structure your lesson plans. Would you say that's accurate, inaccurate? Yeah, no, I think with having that little bit of marketing background, too, it's also how I run my classroom. Like when you're going forward and you're going to be talking to companies and trying to get their business right, you want to be upfront with them and not keep anything from them because they're going to figure it out anyways. Right. And then you're going to sever that relationship if you don't become upfront with them and they find out things. That's how I'm with my kids. I tell them, I'm like, I keep it 100 with you guys. I'm not ever going to try to get you or kind of like no pop quiz or nothing. Like I tell you as much in advance for anything, even if I'm going to be out. I know a lot of teachers, that's not what they do. That's not their philosophy. They believe their time off is their time off and not their kids business. But I know kids have such a hard time with change and knowing that they're going to have a different a sub or whatever. I try to prep them as much as I can of like, hey, I'm going to be out. My expectation for you is to still be the same how you are for me with that sub. Because that sub is there to do their job to help you grow too. They are just in the same way of what I, what you guys view me as. You need to view them as because they are here to do their job. They're not here to babysit you. That's totally. I, I think subs have a really hard job. Oh, subbing is extremely hard. I did a year of subbing before I got my own classroom. And kudos to every sub. And especially now, like, thank you for being a sub. Because there is a sub shortage. And when we don't have subs, we get stuck having to split classes. And so what was typically our class of 30 is now our class of 37, 40 kids in a classroom. Because there's not a sub to cover those classes. So thank you to all the subs that are out there that are grinding through it. Like you guys don't get paid enough either. Cause that's also a problem. The subs don't get paid what they need to get paid. And that's why we also have a sub shortage. So before we get into the um, grades that you've taught, tell us a little, you kind of touched on it earlier um, in terms of high school, but tell us what kind of student you were. Um, were you academically? Who were you socially? Okay. Um, Same, like my... elementary to high school. Well, let's even go to college. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I was all over the place. So moving, I moved a ton as a kid. Elementary school, I went to a different elementary school almost every year. 
So I hated, like, hated going to school because I constantly was having to make new friends because I always transitioned. I mean, I went to a different kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and then uh, fifth grade. And then where we moved to, sixth grade was in the elementary. And so it's pretty much every year. The only years that was consistent was third and fourth grade. I was in the same building for that time. Um, so that just rubbed me kind of the wrong way. So I didn't really care about school. Didn't want to do anything. It's actually my fourth grade teacher that changed my entire outlook on school. And I still remember Miss Canellis to this day. She's the reason why I went into education. Um, I still remember the lessons that she had us do of different. I still remember we had to do a biography and we got to dress up as that person and bring in props and had to give a speech. And I still remember that day like it was yesterday. And she just did different things that made actually going to school fun and learning fun. Like I remember the projects, not the fun, like, you know, oh, we did this craft. I don't remember those. I remember the actual nitty gritty. We got into content projects with her class and so I thank her because I don't know if I would be where I am today without her changing my view on school so elementary I really struggled I had a tutor um because of all the moves uh back in the day education was not as streamlined I mean it's still not super streamlined but I give them at least a little bit of credit that they tried to in place common core which that is a whole nother topic on um love the love hate that we all have with it um but for instance I moved from the east side of Michigan to the west side of Michigan as a child and the east side of Michigan the curriculum was different than the west side of the state's curriculum and so they did something called Chicago math on the west side of Michigan, which is very differently taught than the east side of Michigan. And I don't know the name of the curriculum that they used back then, but it was nowhere close to the same. So I was not grasping it. So I had to get a tutor. They wanted to hold me back. My parents refused to let them hold me back. And so that was a big thing. But thank you to Miss Canellis, everything clicked. And then from then on out, I did not struggle as much. Um, I was definitely through middle school, an AB student. I think I got one C and it was uh, actually an ELA. I am not a strong writer and ELA is probably not, I would say probably it's my least favorite subject to teach. I'm definitely more math minded. I like that there is a right answer and a wrong answer. And I feel like with ELA, there's more of that gray area and that's just not subjective. Yes. I was like, my brain does not process that way. I'm a black and white, right and wrong type person. So left, right, you know, like definitive. (laughs) Yes. And so that's what I look for. Um, And then high school, I, I loved my junior high. I made my parents promise me with all the moves from elementary that middle school and high school I had to stay in the same school. Like we could switch after middle school, but I have to do all my years in middle school and then all my years in high school, you can't switch me schools. And so they stuck true to that. And I thank them for that because I think that was why I enjoyed junior high and high school so much because I had the consistency that I longed for. And so high school, I did really well. I mean, the only area I struggled, oh, stupid chemistry. Chemistry, I just had, Mr. Shotwell, man, that was, 
I still think about that class and I still get like anxiety from being in there. He was just a teacher that needed to retire long before I had him. And he was over it, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, he he wouldn't even teach. He, you got your, okay, these are the pages, teach yourself. And from the textbook, you had to teach yourself chemistry, which was not easy when you don't know anything about it. So, and you don't really know how to study from a textbook because they don't really teach you that. Of the skills of breaking down a textbook, at least I wasn't taught that. I think that now we see that that's important and we try to, at least in the schools that I've been in, try to teach kids and pull articles of like, okay, see this section, see this heading and like break it down to help kids pull information out. So then when they get to the advanced levels that they're able to do that successfully on their own, especially when it comes to college. So but I know I was definitely not taught that uh, prior to high school. And so that was just something I had to learn and was a little bit of a learning curve. But uh, I loved my time. I think in high school, I found my niche. I found my group of friends that I really enjoyed. And I think also running the school store for two years, uh, which was unheard of in our high school. Normally, it was seniors only, but I got in as a junior in there to start running it. Uh, because I was also part of um, DECA, and I did DECA from sophomore through senior year of high school and went to states every year. So I think that was another little niche of why I got into school store and others did not. And so that's Can you explain DECA to us a little bit more? For the people so that- DECA was for our school, it was a club but you would compete against other schools across the state and then eventually across the nation. And you would have different categories of like advertising, marketing, uh, just different business aspects and fields that you could go into. And they would give you scenarios of, okay, like how would you handle this? And how would you do this within those fields? And so each year I would go to, states and would compete unfortunately never made it to the national level but um it was always just a lot of fun and so that was another business side of why I thought I would go into business but you know life had other plans for me I think uh, I'm I don't think I'm pretty sure our school had a good DECA program and that's one of my main regrets I would have like to have joined the DECA program at my school. That's it's one. funny that you say that because I did not want to do DECA. Like I went kicking and screaming. My parents are like, you're going to do it. You need to do something. And I was like, I'm in Spanish club. That should be enough. They, they were thinking college long before I was. Right. I was like, I just wanted to have fun. And they're like, no, you got to have more things that you're involved in because I wasn't playing sports. So I was like, fine, I guess I'll do DECA. And so and I'm very grateful that they did kind of twist my arm into it. But yeah, I think DECA's in a, a vast amount of high schools. And it's probably DECA- expanded since we were in high school. Even. Oh, I'm sure of it, especially now with how large the marketing and business fields are. And so I definitely recommend if you have a child or if you are in high school, like go check out DECA. It's not that limb club that you think it is. Trust me, it ends up being a lot of fun. And you get to go on free trips that you don't have to pay anything for. At least I didn't. Maybe it's changed now in the, I don't want to say how many years it's been, but quite a while. But um, it's 
fun little getaway that you get to do with your friends and you can make memories and meet other friends from other schools, which is great networking too, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of always thought of it as like debate club for business, but I think it's a little, I don't think that's the most accurate description. <laughs> uh, I want to so much go debate, but I guess in some ways, yes, because you're given scenarios and they will kind of combat at you of like, because you'll give what you want to respond to. And they're like, well, what if this? And you're like, okay, well then this. And so it's a little bit of back and forth, um, but it also depends on your judges. Can you give us like a scenario? Not oh. to put you on the spot or anything. <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord, I couldn't even tell you what a scenario was at this point. It's been way too long. I just know that we had to practice them. And so. So they, um, I'm sure we, we pull up some scenarios from the end. That would be fun to do because I, I like that sort of thing. I think it helps you kind of just anything that I think foster strategy I'm in favor of yeah it's definitely one that I was like I would recommend people doing it it just it pushes you outside your boundaries too of what you think that you're capable of and not and I just remember some of my friends were like I'll never get past this round like because you have to go through districts and stuff too before you even make it to states and some like no way I'm not going to and I was like no like it's you could do it like it Trust me, you overthink it a lot more than what, you know, you're actually going to say to them. Just be true to who you are and what you're thinking. And typically, they like that. Um, When they can sense, like, oh, this is a very prepared, seems like someone else, maybe an adult, came up with this for you, they sniff that out very quickly. And those ones typically don't get through. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, this was also, you know, over, well, you know, going out 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, so Can you believe they- it? <laughs> what? Can you believe it? I, I can't. I literally cannot. I was just thinking like, wow, this is the year I had it come up on my time hop where it said last first, last first day of college. And I was like, wow, that's where I was at this point. You know, already 10 years ago, that was 10 years ago. It's my last first day of college. I can't even feel like I've been almost graduated for college or from college for almost 10 years now. So, yeah, it's really hard to believe all those things. Yeah, you've been educating our young minds for eight. So, you know, yeah. I'm just flies. It goes so quick. So let's stay here at college for a moment. What was that process like? And how did you end up making your selection? Um, so I just knew I wanted to get out of my hometown. That was just like the number one thing on my list. I'm like, I don't care where I go as long as I'm not in this hometown. Like I need to branch out. I need to become my own person. I don't want to. I just really realized that a lot of the people that stayed in our hometown, I personally did not feel like grew a lot. Um, yeah first people that I saw that did leave and so I was like I I want to grow and so I applied to a few schools I applied to Central Michigan I applied to Western Michigan and Wayne State University and then 
I know, um, Michigan State, which I am not a Michigan State fan. So I know that that one like really perplexed a lot of people. But at that time, I was thinking about going into education and Michigan State has an extremely high level education program. And so that's why I was on there. So I was actually waitlisted for Michigan State. I really thought I was going to end up going there, uh, but uh, ended up not getting in. So that definitely made my having to choose then between Central and more of Western. Wayne State, long story short, I did not go there because high school man went there. And I was like, I'd only be going there for him and not for me. So I was like, we're not going to do that. And then I, my mom and I actually went on a trip to Central Michigan to visit some uh, family friend at that time and uh, my mom saw some girls do the walk of shame when we were on our college uh, (laughs) campus tour and she's like there's no way that I am allowing you to go to this school I was like it's fine it's fine I knew it was a really big party school I was like we'll be fine like I'll be fine no problem she's like you are not I will not pay I will not help you get here like no and I was like oh fudge I was like okay that leaves me pretty much one option now and I mean, I think it's always destined that I went to Western Michigan. I actually grew up for the few years in Portage, Michigan, which is right next door to Kalamazoo, which the university was housed in. And Portage was where I had that fourth grade teacher that changed my whole outlook. And I was like, this is kind of feeling like full circle here. And at that time in my life, Portage was the spot that I lived the longest in my entire life. Most of my houses growing up my mom and the rest of us, we only lived there for maybe a year and a half to two and a half years on average per house. So I never felt like I had roots, but the house that we lived in in Portage, we were there for three years. And so that was the longest running house. And I was like, okay, it kind of feels like home without being at home. And so I ended up going to Western and I loved every second of my Western years loved it would not I'm glad I went there I'm glad that God paved the path that he did to make sure that I ended up there because I don't know if I'd be where I am today you know even it's just changing what college I went to that's awesome I'm so happy you like everything came full circle because you know when you have those moments those epiphanies it feels good right yes like you know you just have that sense of clarity and then it paved off for you. Most definitely. And sometimes, like, especially when you're in that moment, oh, you don't see, especially, I think the Michigan State thing, like, that rubbed me wrong for so many years. Um, Just because I had another friend that was also waitlisted. And at that time, I had a higher GPA, a higher ACT. Like, I was involved in more things in school. Like, just looking at it we lived in the same neighborhood I was like oh I'm definitely gonna get in over this person because I have this 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 this." you know if you're like looking at the resume sheet and then they got in and I didn't and I was crushed and I think um it it definitely defied my like nope I'm I won't ever root for MSU going forward like that's it nail in the coffin type thing I've softened a little bit over the years especially now that uh you know my fiance is a MSU grad, so that kind of 
tugs a little bit on the heartstrings, but I'm still always going to be a go blue U of M through and through. I mean, that is, that was my team long before college decisions and it will always be my team going till the day I die. So you mentioned a fiance. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that situation about this guy. All right. So uh, my fiance is also in education. So he went to Michigan State for education and did his program through there and is currently teaching in the just outside of Chicago area. But he is taught within CPS and now is in a different district that's just on the edge of it. And so I think that's one of the things that really keeps him and I connected is that we have that commonality and that we're able to understand each other. Cause I feel like unless you're in it or you're very, very open, it is hard to understand the life of a teacher and understand that just what we go through and the hours that we put in, because I feel like a lot of people perceive like, Oh, you're done at three o'clock because that's when the bell rings. No, no, <laughs> not even close. I am there. I mean, I will say I'm a lot better now, but my first year teaching, my first few years teaching, I would be at my school till 11 p.m. regularly. Like walking out to my car in the pitch black and just hoping like, okay, please don't let anything be out in these woods out here as I'm walking to my car. And just because I'd be up there just trying to plan and give the best experience for my kids and just keep up with all the other things that people that aren't in education don't realize that is placed upon teachers that they have to do that is time consuming and we don't go home to our friends and families immediately or have our time for self-care I think that's a big thing that needs to drastically change I know a lot of companies have now been like no self-care is important and mental health is important and I don't see that being in place in the education system and I think that is where you are seeing more teacher burnout and more teachers just on that struggle where we are struggling mentally and just physically even too. I mean, we, we don't have the grace period of like, Oh, you get an hour lunch, like go out and go do whatever you want. I have 25 minutes for lunch. So by the time not I even spent, 30 minutes, 25 not even minutes, 25 and that's 25 minutes to get my kids down to the lunchroom Make sure they go through the lunch line and then make sure that I sit down in the teacher room and that I'm even up a minute before. So really 24 because I got to get there a minute before to get my kids on time from lunch. So ultimately you have what, 12 minutes to actually eat? (laughs) Yeah, eat, go to the bathroom for like the first time in hours because you also don't have that luxury. That if you have to go to the bathroom, it's like, nope, you got to hold it until you have uh, either your planning period or it's your lunch. And that's it. You can't be like, oh, hold on, guys. Like, I, I got to go to the bathroom real quick. Like, you can't leave your class. <laughs> so let's go back to your first year of teaching. Mm-hmm. Walk us through that. And... Before we go there, what grade are you currently teaching and how many different grades have you taught? And give us kind of like the timeline of how many years you taught maybe those specific grades. 
Okay. So currently I'm teaching eighth grade. I'm teaching eighth grade math. And so this is my first year teaching eighth grade math. I made a very big jump uh, this year from last year. Uh, before that, I taught third grade and I taught third grade for five years. And then um, I taught kindergarten for one year. And then my very first year of teaching, I taught fifth grade math and science. So I have a very wide range. My degrees range from early childhood development. So I can go from pre-K all the way through eighth grade in all subject areas. Uh, That's not something that's super common with a lot of teaching degrees. A lot of it is just where either you're just elementary or you are middle through high school. Um, Some do have that middle school years, but it's self-contained. It really depends from state to state. Like I currently have three teaching licenses in three different states and each license is slightly different than the other of what I'm able to do in that state. And so I think it all depends on the credentials that you get and what they give you. Like for instance, one state they gave me because I have a special education within an endorsement that I have. And so they made it where on my license, I could be a learning specialist. So a behavior specialist for, for all ages from birth to age 21. So if I wanted to be a behavior specialist in high school in that state, I could have chose to do that, even though I never went to school for high school. So that was kind of wild when I saw that on there. And I was like, wow, that's wild. Would never do that because I, would not feel right doing it because I really did not have the training behind it. But that's what was granted to me. Would that be of interest at some point teaching? High school? Um, no, no. <laughs> I okay. think I think I think I found my sweet spot with my eighth graders. High school, I and everyone says it too. They're like, it takes a special person for middle school. It takes a special person for kindergarten. It takes a special person for high school. I mean, my fiance he teaches high school, and I'm like kudos I don't know how you do it but I love you and I support you but I just no. I think also I think for me it's like the big height thing too I'm very short and I was like y'all would just tower me I mean my eighth graders for the most part tower me but there's a few that I'm like okay I got you like you didn't hit that growth spurt yet so I feel okay and I don't feel like I'm the shortest one but high school I was like y'all hit that growth spurt and I'm just like the tiny one that you can't see down here trying to teach y'all well, I'm biased. I think you would do great in high school as well. But I do think there is such the construct. I do. I definitely subscribe to sweet spots and developing your niches. And, you know, I think you really made a great point about like the impact of fifth grade, about how crucial that is for really your whole education career of your students. Can you kind of do you remember that at all? Uh, a little bit. So like fifth grade was my first year teaching. So obviously was a very uh, fresh mind out of college at that point. And so teaching them was just, I, I kept it real with them. I was like, fifth grade is where you're going to make some changes. This is a big altering. This is your last year of elementary before you get thrown to the wolves pretty much of what middle school, high school life really is. It's the last year of, you know, 
parents' involvement. I really feel like I've noticed, especially now that I've done, I'm within a middle school now of just seeing the drop-off of, like, how much parents were involved. And I felt like I got all of the parents showed up to open house in fifth grade, third grade kindergarten, and then now open house in middle school. I was like, all right, I teach 90 and I kids and I saw 12 parents. So there's just that disconnect. And I feel like it kind of leans more than on the kids. So just trying to get them ready in fifth grade and also just foundationally, there's so many standards that are taught that build upon what they need to know, like what we're doing now in eighth grade, they needed to have the basics taught to them in fifth grade. And if they didn't get in fifth grade, then they're struggling now three years later because they didn't get it three years ago. Like fifth grade is kind of like the last chance to kind of fix all the like holes that maybe you've messed up until that point and really get yourself prepared for what's to come. Yeah. I mean, it's also the difference of your structure of your schedule too. You're going from just having one teacher. So that teacher really knows you to having, depending on what, your school setup is from six to eight teachers, you know, and I'm blessed to be within a block system with my classes. So I get 90 minutes with my kids, but if you're not a core subject, then you only get them for 45 minutes a day. So a non-core subject would be what, like music theory or science, social studies, and then their electives. So the core subjects are going to be math and ELA. Really? Science is not considered a... Core subject? No. Huh. And it's actually kind of... I mean... I give credit that at least in middle school, they are seeing science and social studies daily. Because in all my experiences of teaching in different states, too... Right. Um, science and social studies in elementary is not a priority. And in fact, uh, you typically will not see both subjects taught in the same school day. You'll kind of rotate where you'll do, okay, I'll do like two weeks of science and then two weeks of social studies and go back to science for two weeks and go back to social studies and try to get through as many standards as you can before the end of the year, but you never make it through. And typically the length that you have for your science class is like 20 minutes, if that. And you're rotating that between science and social studies. Well, how do you think this, what position do you think this puts the students in, in terms of the shifting um, need for the STEMS curriculum? Uh, I feel like, yeah, I mean, I give schools and I've been in schools where they actually implemented STEAM, STEM. I mean, they keep adding letters to it. So every school is kind of different because (laughs) some are at a STEAM, some are at a STEM. I was like, I don't know where you're at, but like whatever. Within that program, um, they are at least putting that as like an elementary instead of just having music and gym and art, then they added, okay, you're going to have STEAM as a fourth one that you're going to rotate through. And so I feel like that's 
helpful and that's helpful for the science part, but you're still lacking that on the social studies part. And I know a lot of uh, curriculums are like, well, we try to implement it within our, so our, within our ELA. And so they'll throw an article or two, or maybe a book with, and try to teach that book with the standards. And yes, it, it does work to an extent, but it's still not the same as just getting that direct instruction and really learning the history that I feel like we went through, at least. Like, I remember having all my subjects every day growing up. I remember having yeah. stuff every day and social stuff. So I, I'm very confused because this happened while we were in college. Because, I mean, I had it. There was a all shift. Of, yeah. There was some kind of shift that happened during those four years. And I don't. And, and, but also, within those four years, we got Common Core. Like, when I went into college, Common Core was not a thing. When I got out of college, my graduating year, that was the first year of Common Core standards. Okay. So, let's dive into Common Core. <laughs> okay. Elaborate for days on that. <laughs> because I'm sure a lot of questions will come from it. So, take your time. <laughs> So Common Core, um, I mean, there's very much, uh, I'll say love-hate relationship for among many with it. Uh, I think that maybe the heart was in the right spot of like, okay, let's try to get uh, more schools streamlined together. Especially because we were noticing kids were, say, living in indiana and then moving to florida but indiana has different type of standards than florida does so then the kids drastically lost i mean i experienced it just going from one side of the state to the other side of the state so i can't even imagine if i would have changed states how even more drastically different it would have been right and so i feel like the initial idea was like okay let's try to streamline the best that we can let's push out these standards where everything's kind of aligned a little bit more um within it and then that way if kids have those transitions it's not going to be as hard great in theory but they didn't look at how they're teaching things or maybe they did I mean there's so many different um, theories behind there of why they pushed out common core some people feel that they did it to make things more confusing to knock down the next generation and you know be able to control them through when they're in charge of things I don't know of what exactly why some people feel that way but that is some things of what I've heard others express that sounds like a reddit take (laughs) yeah they're like they're just trying to dumb dumb down our kids and I was like oh I don't I don't want to believe that I don't want to believe that that was their goal of them trying to make it so confusing that they can manipulate our kids into doing things that's not what I truthfully feel um but I know others have expressed that to me and how they feel about it and I was like well you are entitled to your opinion and your feels on it um these are also people that aren't within education either so I think it's also you know nice to hear their thoughts of it but also it's different being in it uh but common core I will say it can be it's it's hard it's hard with them because it is so drastically different than w- how we were even taught. Right. And so therefore our parents weren't taught this and our grandparents. So the ones that are helping kids with homework 
they're like, this makes no sense. Because there's a generational gap. So because there was really no one who had experienced Common Core in order to teach Common Core at the home. So did that widen the gap between how you can interact with parents and how helpful parents can be on the home front? Absolutely. I feel like that's been a really big uh, gap there. And one of the things that I always try to offer is, hey, I will host a parent night where come in. I tried to at least back when I did fifth grade and even a year or two of third grade, come in, sit down and I will go through the strategies that we're doing because they aren't the ways. I mean, let's put it this way for adding and subtracting. We were just taught what's called algorithm, right? You just line it up, line up the place values, right? Line up the one, right. line up the tens place and add it. Right. Yeah. Now, we have different strategies of like, oh, we have this, you got this base 10 one where you can draw, use this drawing or you can use uh, for subtracting the subtract one strategy if it ends in double zeros or for multiplying and uh, dividing, you have equal groups, you have using a number line. Now parents are like using a number line, like how do you multiply in a number line? And just, it's not the way that we were taught. We were taught very much this is how you do it and you do it this way every time. Or you memorize these multiplication facts. Like there's not a strategy to get to it. You just have to know it. Hmm. So have you learned anything about, because um, you were kind of touching on it earlier, about the uh, preparation, the... Um, maybe the development of common core like where were the teachers on that did they pull teachers which teachers were they pulling what uh, i'm i'm not sure on the development of it because when they were developing it i was in college and so and that was i think a big disconnect as well that they did not prep people that were getting out of college or in the college years of the programming of education during it at least not the program i was in uh, and other programs of other fellow teachers I know of uh, went through where they did not prep them for this change of common core. We were taught the type of standards. We were using Michigan Glicks before uh, common core came out. So I was taught all Glicks and how to use Glicks and break down a Glick. And I mean, granted, yeah, standards are standards. And now once you're more comfortable with it, you could break it down. But when you're sitting there for four years memorizing this type of standards and getting comfortable with them, and then the second that you graduate, they're like, yeah, no, they're, those are not available anymore. So everything that you just spent your four years studying in college are no longer viable. And you have no background on these new standards. And you're like, okay. And there, and there was no, nobody knew it yet. There wasn't all the teachers pay teachers and the YouTube videos and the how to's. And there wasn't that there wasn't the Instagrams of the different blogs that you nobody knew. It was a very much sink and swim and trial and error for several years. And I think now it's like, okay, us teachers are getting more comfortable with it. Yes. You know, if you've been teaching, you know, them. And at least if you've been in college, these standards have been around not long enough that you you came out of it and it's still the same standards that you worked with but um 
I will say, I, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I don't believe our uh, test scores, at least as a nation, have not gone up um, to what I know other countries are at with having these standards. And it hasn't improved the overall quality of the education. Right. I mean, like, statistically yeah. in terms of scoring. Yeah, test scores. Yeah. Yeah, our test scores and stuff. And I mean, test scores are a whole nother thing of um, thoughts and feels because I'm definitely, uh, I have a hard time with standardized testing of uh, standing behind it. I think data is important. I 100% believe that we need data so that we know what to improve on and grow on. But the state standardized testing, I think, is very hard to hold, not only just obviously our students too, but the teachers and the schools too as well, because you don't know what's going on in these kids' lives. I mean, you have them testing for four days, maybe five days, out of the entire school year. And you do it all back to back to back to back too, by the way where they're just testing all day. And after the third day of straight testing, you're pretty much burnt. I mean, think about when you took like the ACT and SAT and you're like, gosh, that that one day felt like forever, right? But we're doing it to our kids multiple days for a week in some cases for, you know, until they graduate high school. And it's like, I just think that it needs to be better because you know what's going on in these kids' lives. It could be a rough week. They could be going through something that day and they're not going to perform what they would normally perform for you because they have other things going on. And that definitely doesn't get taken into, obviously, the way that they score. Um, I think that there's different ways that we can reach their growth. There's a great program that we've been, I've been blessed to be able to use and several different schools in different states called uh, NWEA MAP testing. And what we do with that is we test kids at the three times a year. So beginning, mid-year, and end of the year. And the great thing about the design of this test is they test them where they're at. Because I may be teaching eighth grade, but I most certainly do not have 90 kids at all at eighth grade math level. I have some kids that range from first grade to a beginning of eighth grade. That is the range that I have right now where they are. And so obviously how can I hold accountable a kid that's at a first grade math level to an eighth grade standardized test? If they can't tell me two plus two, how can I make sure that they can do what is a, irrational and rational number how can you find approximate the square root they 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 don't understand that language they don't have that built up yet um so i think it's more important to meet our kids where they're at in this nwea map testing it does that and so it'll give them questions and it'll get a little harder based on if they're answering it correctly to see okay exactly where they are but it's say that they're getting them wrong 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 they're not going to keep making the questions harder. They're going to put it back to the level where they will be confident and successful at. And I think to me, because then you can take that score from the beginning of the year and then you make a goal with them of like, okay, by mid-year, we want you to try to get here. Like if you were say at a seventh grade mid-level at the beginning of the year, we want to get you to at least like end the seventh grade math level by mid-year. I want to grow you that much from the beginning of the year to midway. 
And so you set that goals with them. And then you're able to see the data of are they growing or not? And I think that's more important of are they growing to what they need than, oh, they're growing at eighth grade math level when our kids just aren't at the whatever grade levels that they're at. Now all of them are. Because especially with COVID, we've seen even more gaps than ever. Yeah, significant drop off because you were, you know, people were all over the place for that year, year and a half, right? Absolutely. Yeah, in some cases. So what, um, in terms of eighth grade math, Mm -hmm. isn't that the time when you're also trying to determine what math courses they should take for high school? freshman year well every I feel like high schools are doing it so differently than what we went into it I mean my sister is a freshman in high school so um, it's kind of nice to kind of get the insight from her of things but uh, they just changed it like they kids don't really get to pick now I guess until they're like senior year and that's if math is required or not uh, each state district and all that have different requirements for graduation like I know when I graduated you only needed three math credits to graduate right so my senior I, year, I took four but yeah yeah I took four because I loved math and I was like no like give me trigonometry I love numbers like let's go um a lot of people took probability probability and stats because it was a easier math course at our high school and I was like nah. ours it was split it was like pre-calc trig first semester and then stats the second semester oh nice we did not have the option ours was you only got into like pre-calc or calc if you went through all the other ones so you had to be in advanced math beforehand in order to get into option into calc all of a sudden like if I wanted to take calc senior year that was not an option because I didn't take trig prior to okay so So, whole different setup yeah yeah, a little bit of a difference. So, um, and even just the different maths. Like, so for when I was a freshman, algebra one was required to take first. But now my sister, geometry is for a freshman now. So, I mean, that's just the difference between her and I being there. I feel like they always flip it, though. You know, sometimes they tell you it's like you should start off with geometry freshman year. And then other times it's algebra one and go back to you know, algebra two, two, yeah. and then, or, you know, sometimes it's algebra one, then geometry, then algebra two versus, just, you know, going to algebra one, algebra two, then geometry. So it, it's all over the place. Yeah. And I think that's like another thing of where we're like, okay, we agreed as a nation, like we have to do these ones, but we didn't agree upon which order to do it on either, you know? So there's right. that consistency. So it's a little, um, hard in that place uh, of what to do or not to do for it. Um, I always heard a rumor that if you were bad at algebra, you should be good at geometry and vice versa. Have you seen that to be true or is that just kind of like, you know, an urban myth? Sorry. Can you repeat that one more time? I had... Yeah. Um, so I've heard that. Um, and let me know if you've heard this as well. Mm-hmm. If you're, if, you struggled with geometry algebra was supposed to be easy for you like you were supposed to get one or the other sort of thing yep. vice versa 
Is that the case or is that just kind of urban myth or? I'll say for myself it is. I okay. I was like, math was something that always kind of came easy to me. Algebra was when I actually had to work towards. Like I had to actually study for math, which was like the first time ever um, that I had to actually put forth some effort and like really look into it and get with a group of friends and just practice going through the problems and have, you know, teach me how they do it because it wasn't clicking. Um, but geometry, that just came very natural to me. I was like, oh, I got this. Angles, love it. Give it to me. Um, I think it also kind of helped. Uh, my dad is a home improvement guy. And so I grew up going on job sites with him. And so like drawing houses and doing all of that, that dealt with angles. And I would see his paperwork. So of having to measure like, okay, this is at a 45 degree. Like I was just always around it. So I think that knowledge just kind of seeped into me as well. Yeah. Your dad is like Tim Allen. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. That's exactly. I mean, yeah, that's a good, like that. You know what, Kylie? There's so much more I want to talk to you about. I feel like we could do like a part two, part three. <laughs> yeah, I do have the, as my mom says, she's like, you love to talk. And I was like, yeah, I'm really good at it. That's why I do it for a living. But there, I, I literally have at least another 20 questions that I would want to ask you. So I'll put it on. Um, would you be open to coming back to just do a part two? Or Yeah, I would definitely be open to do a part two. Okay. So that's what we're going to do, people. Um, because it's a little later. And I want to make sure Kylie is well rested. Because we know how challenging and demanding the job of educators are in this country. So I want Kylie to be at her best so she can give the students her best. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I had a blast. It's great to be able to talk these things through and just kind of spread more awareness to the education field. Absolutely. And you were on fire. We appreciate you so much. And um, we're definitely going to have you come back and um, more to come more because you you were excellent. So thank you for uh, giving the Trap Life podcast. Uh, a classic episode thank you all right all right trap life you know what to do that's we want to hear your input the reviews and um we'll have kylie decide if she wants to give her information when she comes back for episode two you know or if you want you can give your information out but you know yeah no i i look forward to hearing all the reviews and coming back for part two um if you just go to instagram mine's just kai underscore couture three um you'll find me on there all right well do that show her some love and we will be back with another episode of the trap life podcast peace blessings grace on your journey <laughs>